0: And if you would mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter number 27. Proverbs chapter number 27. We are now on our last couple of messages of the year, and we'll be finishing up our little mini series dealing with Proverbs. Mini series, meaning that we're on message number 41 right now, but we're not going through the entire book verse by verse, but hitting several of these important maximums and highlighting several of these different Proverbs for us. As we come to Proverbs chapter number 27, we come to a very important proverb, one that could allow us to affect our lives when we allow it to be applied properly. Notice with me in the book of Proverbs chapter number 27. The book of Proverbs chapter 27, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 17. The book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17, the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of of his friend. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark that phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter number 27? Proverbs 27, and notice with me in verse 17, the phrase, iron sharpeneth iron. Iron sharpeneth iron. And with the Lord's help, we want to understand the principle that the Bible is teaching here about this iron sharpeneth iron. Let's pray if you don't mind. In Jesus' name, (laughs) We ask that you watch our services today. That you would be with us. That we could learn more from your word. That we could watch you work in our lives. We are just thankful for what you've done this last year. And we're looking forward to what you're going to do in this next year. And we're excited. We understand that we're a work in progress. And we need discernment and understanding about what is that process of you making a person, a person who follows you. What is your process of making a servant, making a Christian, making an instrument useful in the hands of you? We're asking that you would help us during this time that we can learn and that we could surrender and yield. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. The idea of iron sharpeneth iron is a very important principle if you don't mind just using the idea, let's just say that we had an axe. And with this axe, we needed to cut down a tree. However, the axe is dull. The axe is blunt. The axe is so dull that you could rub your hand on it and it's just a rounded corner. And you take that axe that's rounded off and you start whacking away at a tree you could imagine it would take quite a while for that tree to come down. However, if you took that same axe and you applied proper friction of iron sharpeneth iron, what can happen is that you could sharpen that axe and with that axe that is sharpened, the tool becomes much more efficient and less effort is needed to get more accomplished. We should all desire this sharpening in our life. In fact, if you want to put this down as a little phrase or maxim, it is never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. It is never wasted time to start, stop and sharpen your ax. We know that as a tool, there's a lot of people who feel like I just got to work. I just got to go. We have a expression in the Bible college realm of we get young students that get so excited. They want to charge hell with a squirt gun. It sounds great and they're really eager but they're not equipped with the right tools. And there's a lot of people that said, I don't need a sharpen and sharp. I don't need school. I don't need this. I don't need that. I could just go and I could just go and I could go and I could get it accomplished and sure, it's going to cause a lot of effort but what happens is that you could work yourself silly and still not get very much done. What needs to happen is that acts needs to be sharpened. So again, you can get less effort for more work. Now in order to become the effective tool, this principle of iron sharpeneth iron here becomes key. What is the principle between iron sharpeneth iron? What is this principle? It is the principle of influence. It is the principle of influence. The very heart of this proverb here deals with the emphasis of who do we allow to surround us and who do we allow to influence us. And with a proper influence, we become a sharper instrument, an instrument that could be used more effectively with less effort. We should all desire to be the instrument that God wants to use to use efficiently. I mean, anyone could be a dull instrument. If you can imagine, we take that baseball bat and whack away at a tree. You go ahead and do it for a while. You wanna take your fist and you wanna hit a tree until it knocks down, help yourself. But it is much easier to have an ax in your hand that is sharpened, that is equipped and ready to go. Here we have the uh, the emphasis, the principle of influence. That if we are going to be the instrument we should be, we need to take special care of who we allow to influence us and who do we surround ourselves with. If you don't mind, let's cover a couple different principles found within this. First of all, iron needs iron to be sharpened. Iron needs iron to be sharpened. All right, that makes sense. So, Imagine, if you don't mind, you had an axe that needed to be sharpened. And so you take the axe and you put it up. You have the blade up and you're going to sharpen it. And you take some firewood and you start rubbing against it. Is that going to make the axe sharpened? Not at all. It's going to dull it. In order for iron to be sharpened, you have to have iron to sharpen it. You have to have something that's going to scrape it to make it so it becomes an a tighter edge, a sharper edge. You have to have the right material in order for sharpen. If you don't have the right material, what's going to happen is that you're going to make it dull and you're going to make it less effective. We must have someone of the same type of (laughs) same type, in order to challenge us, in order to sharpen us. If we use the wrong type of material, it makes us duller. Now, again, the whole principle is dealing with the idea of influence. The people that you surround yourself with is either going to make you sharper or it's going to make you duller. The people who surround you are going to make you where you're more effective Or if you could forgive the term, make you dumber. We all have friends that we like that make us dumber. They don't sharpen us whatsoever. They don't make us a better instrument. They may be fun to hang around, but they don't make us sharper. We all need people that make us sharper. You need to be on the lookout of what type of instrument, what type of material they are. If they are not a believer they're not gonna sharpen other believers. If they are not having a desire to serve God, they're not gonna sharpen you to serve God. You need to have the right type of instrument. It's always interesting to watch people. There's a phrase in chemistry called like attracts like. And that principle is also true of humankind. Camp is a wonderful season. You could take people who have never been to camp ever before. You send those teenagers and you let them loose in the wild. And just a matter of hours, they will find their crowd. Because like attracts like. As a pastor, I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? I watch who hangs out with each other. And if good Christians who want to follow the Lord will surround themselves with other good Christians who want to sharpen the Lord but Christians who don't want to go forward, who don't want to read their Bible, they will find those people who don't want to read their Bible. It is amazing. And there's just an idea that like attracts like. If you want to be sharpened, you need to hang around people who are sharp. If you want to be better used of the Lord, hang around people who want to be used of the Lord. There's that principle there. You need to have the right type of material in order to sharpen your axe. Otherwise, it's going to make it duller. The iron sharpens iron. Wood does not sharpen iron. Again, we find that there. The same material. Iron sharpeneth iron. Another principle that we understand with this is that iron, with iron, creates sparks, and friction. Iron with iron creates sparks and friction. Now, this is an important idea that whenever a knife or an axe or a sword is sharpened, by necessity there is friction. If you could imagine you have a grinding stone and you have a sword that you want to, to uh, make sharper, what happens is as it hits that grinding stone, those sparks will go. There's going to be friction there. There's going to be heat released. That there there is going to be a byproduct because of this sharpening process. That if you took a kitchen blade, I know that modern day you don't do that. But back in the old days, we used to have a wedding stone and you'd used to sharpen your own knives. Back in the old medical days, they'd have to have people that would sharpen scalpels or sharpen needles there's an idea that in order to do that, there had to be friction. There is going to be sparks with that. Without the friction, the metal cannot be sharpened. So what's the principle that we're getting here? Well, in our interpersonal relationships, the people who sharpen us will be people who challenge us. And challenge our preconceived ideas. Challenge how we think about a subject. Challenge us. And this challenge is not a bad thing. There are many people who never want to be challenged. They don't want to be challenged about their ideas. They don't want to be challenged about their beliefs. So they are resistant to sharpening. They just want to hang around people who are not going to challenge them. Remember the idea of having the wrong material? Not making them sharper, but making them duller. They don't want to be challenged. They just have a preconceived bubble and they don't want anyone ever to mess with that. There was something that went in on our society, and we all understand it, is that society taught that you can't talk about religion or politics. You can talk about anything but not religion and politics. And you know what happened? We now trained a society who cannot talk about religion religion or politics. They've lost that ability. In fact, now, if you don't agree with me, then you're automatically wrong and you're stupid and whatever else and I'm not going to allow you to sharpen we have to understand that part of the sharpening process is people that challenge us in our preconceived notions, challenge us on what we believe. This is part of that process. If you could forgive the personal illustration, I remember as a young preacher boy, I had some doctrine that I believed was true. One of them I believe was true is that salvation is by grace through faith and not of works, meaning that you could not get saved by baptism. And in one of my phone contacts, I had a little old black lady who was a Methodist, old time Methodist, just sweet black old lady. But she liked to talk about things. And she began to challenge me because she believed that in order to go to heaven, you had to be baptized as an infant. Well, I didn't believe that, but it didn't break up. We don't, didn't say, well, we can't talk about it anymore. In fact, we became more interested And even though I knew I was never going to convince her, that period of learning how to defend my belief sharpened me to be able to try to study from the Bible, to search in the Bible, to try to defend my position that helped me. It didn't hurt me. It didn't make me duller, it sharpened me up. Even though I didn't convince her, that was a period of sharpening in my life that challenged me. Someone told me what I believed was wrong and dared me to defend what I believed. That was a good thing. It was an excellent thing. If you just hang around people that believe like you do, you'll never be challenged. And you'll never be be able to effectively defend what you believe. In the Bible uh, college zone, we would say that they're in bubbles. Why? Because everyone believes like you do. In order for you to be challenged, you need to go find someone who doesn't believe like you do. That you have to, on purpose, go find someone. Whether it's soul winning and soul winning, you meet people all the time who disagree with you. How do you handle it? Do you disagree, uh, if they disagree with you, do you throw stuff in their face and yell at them and stomp out of their door? No. Each of those encounters, if we allow it to be properly used, should challenge us and search back, especially if we have someone that gives us legitimate questions and saying, well, what about this? I've never thought about that before. Let me go ponder on that. Let me research that and get back to you. Those are good things. To allow ourselves to be challenged. Allow ourselves to be stretched. Allow ourselves. But in order for us to be sharpened, there has to be sparks. May I say there has to be friction. What do you mean by friction? When you disagree with people, there's going to be friction. Two people rubbing each other the wrong way. Now, we could turn it and make it a bad thing or we could use it as a thing of sharpening. Turn into it and allow it to sharpen us rather than get to the place, oh no, there's sparks, we have to stay away. No, learn how to use it to sharpen. That's why personality co- conflicts, they're not necessarily a bad thing if they have um if they are used to help us in our life. If we allow them, to sharpen us up. So understanding that part of this principle is that there's going to be friction. There's going to be sparks. That doesn't mean things are wrong. That means that we understand that's part of the process. Now, most of you have been here long enough that every once in a while I'll preach something that you go, I've never heard this before doesn't mean you're wrong. It means I may be challenging, whether it's I'm destroying Sunday school version stories that you may have heard or something you've heard all of your life and you go, what in the world is this? That's not necessarily a bad thing if you allow it to sharpen you, to consider those things rather than say, pastor's crazy. To allow those things to sharpen. Remember, the whole idea here is the idea of influence. And if we're going to be sharpened, there are some things that need to be scraped away. Preconceived notions so we can be more effective in what God would have us to do. We, with this, we have to allow ourselves to be wrong sometimes. What does that mean? Well, there are some people who are so resistant to being sharpened that they can never be wrong. They will never admit that they're wrong. Well, those are people who are resistant to being sharpened. You have to understand you don't know everything. You don't even know half of everything. You don't even know a quarter of everything. So could it be that there is something in the area that you don't know, that you don't know? You have to allow people to challenge you. And you have to allow yourself to be wrong. You know what? I thought this, but now that you taught me this... That makes sense to allow ourselves to be wrong, allow ourselves to be multiple. If nothing else, at least be willing to listen to someone that has a different idea than you. We can't just cut people off. Now, I understand that YouTube has done the opposite of what I just said. Social media, if if you don't agree with them, they'd cut you off. And people have lost the ability to talk to people one-on-one. But this whole principle is dealing with the idea of who we allow us to influence us and with this, allowing ourselves to be sharpened by the encounters, being sharpened by being conflicted, being brought to something that contradicts something that we may have hold true, even if it is a deep hearted belief to allow God to sharpen us and to get rid of those things. With this, we understand there's another principle here. The process is for those who are in fellowship. The process is for those who are in fellowship. Notice again with me in verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The best people to be used in the sharpening process are those who are friends. Those that we allow to have fellowship with us. These people are correcting our beliefs and our behavior because they care for us. They're not trying to harm their friend. They're trying to help their friend. We all have things in our life that we're blind to that others can see very clearly. To allow us to be the best instrument we possibly can, we have to allow those people the permission to correct us, to point things out that need to be fixed. That's part of that friendship that they care enough for you to tell you the truth. And if you're going to be the sharpest instrument possible, you need to surround yourself by people who will tell you the truth because they care for you. Again, we have a society and we have a mindset that we only want people to be, forgive the term, yes men. They want people to agree with every single thing that they say and never point out that they've done anything wrong. But that doesn't help a person, it hurts a person. People need to be, because there's no one that's perfect, everyone makes mistakes, everyone could do better Everyone can be sharpened. We have to allow people the permission to care for us enough to say, don't do this. I know that you may not have considered this, but have you done this? You know, even the idea of basic things. People need to be taught how to wash their hands. I know it's 2020, but you know, during that 2020, we had to teach people to wash their hands is how you do it. Running your hands under the water is not washing your hands. Now, I'm using a very uh, basic illustration. But, you know, there were some people that never been taught to wash their hands. It's amazing that there's all kinds of basic things people are not taught anymore. And because of that, there are skills that they need to learn. Someone needs to love them enough to influence them, to help them, to tell them the truth, to equip them with things. And as long as we isolate ourselves and only surround us with people who won't tell us the truth, we're going to be dull instruments that are not going to be effective. We have to have friends who care enough for us to influence, to tell us. I'm going to probably end up telling stories here in just a bit kind of the idea of people who've tried to help over the years. But you have to allow people to tell you the truth, to care for you, to help you, even with basic things to the idea of spiritual things. You know what? The way that you're reading your Bible is not effective. What? This is how I've always read it in my Bible. Well, can I provide something better for you? You know, Things like that. We do that in discipleship. We're trying to train people and trying to work them. We can't take anything for granted anymore. In the Christian realm, we have to bring them along. There's so many people who are willing, they just need to be taught. But we, if we're going to be the instruments, we have to lead the way and allow people to care enough for us in this fellowship to train us, to sharpen us up. If you don't mind, there's one more thing I want to hit is that this process helps the countenance. The process helps the countenance. Notice with me in verse 17 again. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The idea of a countenance here is how we carry ourselves. It goes beyond just facial expressions to the idea of how our body works, our body language. We know that your face may tell a message but the rest of your body can tell something different. You could force yourself to smile but the rest of your body says it's not happy. When we allow this process of sharpening and equipping us, what happens is that it even changes our countenance. It changes the way we carry ourselves. It carries the way, there's something about being sharpened that there's more confidence. There's something that we're more secure in what we believe and what we do And why we're less timid. There's something about the countenance that when we're sharpened, it doesn't just sharpen us to be a better instrument. It actually helps us in our body language, helps us in how we carry ourselves. It helps us in our interactions and how we speak to people. It is amazing what will happen as we're sharpened up. Let's take, for example, you have a young man who has been taught all of their life that they've been a loser. All of their life, they feel worthless. All of their life, they feel like they can never be used of God. Then they get saved. Step one, wonderful. And then they start being faithful to church. They go through discipleship. They've been taught how to read their Bible. They're taught how to pray. They develop these habits. And you start watching some changes. Without him knowing it, he's able to look at people in their eyeballs Without him knowing it, he's walking a little bit straighter. Without even knowing it, he changes how he dresses. Without even knowing it, he's able to be friendly with people, with people he could never talk to ever before. There's something that changes in his body language and his countenance as he's being sharpened. And next thing you know, he's in a position where he could influence other people. This is a story that's repeated itself over and over and over again and over. The idea of being sharpened, this, it changes the countenance. It changes how people respond to themselves. It changes how they carry themselves. And it changes how people respond to them because it's changed who they are in this process. Again, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You understand this sharpening just doesn't make us sharpened intelligently. This doesn't just sharpen us for ministry. It changes us in a fundamental level. When we allow people to influence us properly, it changes even who we are and how we carry ourselves and how we think about ourselves and others. It changes everything. Many of you have that testimony that you are a completely different person now than what you were at the very beginning of your Christian journey. Some of you, even from the time that you came to this church, you are a different person. The way that you carry yourself, the way that you speak, the way that you laugh, the way that you look at yourself in the mirror has all changed because of this sharpening process. Interesting enough, the Bible agrees with that In the New Testament. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews. Let's see this process of countenance. Where do we best get this sharpening from? Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) And notice with me if you don't mind. In Hebrews chapter 10. And notice with me starting at verse number 24. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. It says, and let us consider one another. All right. So we have this idea of friendship. Let's consider one another. Then notice this, to provoke unto love and to good works. When we see that word provoke, we usually don't put it in a context of helping someone. But in this context here, it's carrying the idea that there's friction for the idea of sharpening. This is where we're seeing this principle. I'm provoking one another unto good works. Meaning that, hey man, you need to read your Bible this way. Hey, you need to show up to church. I'm provoking you to try to get you to do good works. Meaning there's times that you don't want to hear, go read your Bible. There are times that you don't want to be told, you need to memorize this verse. You may not want to be told, hey, you know what? This is how you need to carry yourself, how you need to dress. You're provoking someone. But because of this provoking, you're helping them unto good works. Where does this process happen, by the way? Notice again, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Where does this best sharpening happen? Inside of a local church. To be able to provoke one another inside of the confines of a local church. To be able to have the preaching of God's word challenge us. To provoke us to make a decision to follow the Lord. To change our point of view of something that we thought before. But now we've changed how we've thought about it. To put something in mind to teach us. To give us principles that we've never understood before. But now is clear. This idea of influence. By the way as a little sub note. Maybe you want to write down. It does matter where you go to church. Because it is a matter of influence influence. Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you allowing to change you? Who are you allowing to provoke you under good works, to provoke you unto love, to sharpen you that you're going to allow to have some friction, to be able to point some things in your life that you allow so you could be the sharpest instrument possible. The local church is what God has designed to be the best place to have that friendship, that fellowship, and that sharpening. It could change our countenance. The more that you're at church, the more that God could change you because you're going to be challenged. You know, when we have everyone in the church reading their Bible, someone who's not reading their Bible is going to feel left out. When a church is operating properly and everyone's going so winning, the people not going so winning are going to feel left out. When the people are all in discipleship or completed discipleship and starting to teach other people, the people who are not in that are going to feel left out. Now, is that because we're making people feel bad? No. We're trying to sharpen them and say, come join us. Be a part of us. Do what we're doing. We're trying to help. This is part of that changing in countenance. We're trying to allow the countenance to change. Now, we understand that if you could allow me to change the subject a little bit to direct it something else there is an idea called a conversion of a church. What does that mean? That means that given time, the church will become a reflection of the pastor. Well, you say, well, I don't like what I'm looking at. I know, but it's not just the countenance of the outside. But you know, if you have a soul winning pastor, you are going to have a soul winning church. If you have a studious pastor, you're going to have a studious church. You know, there is a principle of influence that you don't reproduce necessarily what you want. You reproduce what you are. This is why it's very important of who you allow to influence you. Because you allow someone in your life, that's what you're going to become like. This idea of influence influence. You cannot underscore how important this influence is. And you have to make a decision who is going to influence me. Who is going to influence me? Hopefully you've allowed a pastor of a church like this to be your influence. Hopefully you don't come to a church where I've some people come to a church, cross their arms and go, bless me if you can. I always wonder why do they keep coming? (laughs) if they're not going to allow me to influence, why are they here? Hopefully you've said, I'm going to allow pastor to influence me. This is the type of life that will, I want to sharpen me so I can be the best instrument. I'm going to allow him to be an influence. Hopefully you have good Christian friends in your life that love you enough that could influence in you and, and say, how's your Bible reading? What's going on? How can I help you? And you allow them to help you. Even if it causes friction, even if there's an embarrassment, you're trying to allow them to make you to be the sharpest instrument possible. But you have to allow that influence in. You have to choose and you choose who it is that influences you. Now with that, be careful because there's always driftwood inside of a church. They're not going to sharpen you. Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you allowing to sharpen you? Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to really just turn this here. Currently, present tense, as we're speaking, the funeral of Pastor Clarence Sexton is going on. Pastor Clarence Sexton is one of my great influences. I was already educated to a point before I went to Bible college. One of the things we used to say in giving a testimony is I didn't go to Bible college for the information. Why, do you, why does anybody go to Bible college? It should not be for the information. Why does anybody go to a Bible college? For influence. You're allowing someone to influence you. And because of that, went there, not for the purpose of education, even though I wanted to get educated. I wanted to learn about the influence and allow someone to influence. And I came out of that Bible college setting with a lot more edges rough, um, rounded off, to be able to get a lot of the rough out, to be able to change the way that I speak, how I deal with people, how I worked with people. If you could forgive the personal illustration and I'll turn it back. My wife said, an amazing happened, that before I went to Bible college, when I had the opportunity to preach, I'd get really excited. Bless God, you know, my high pitched voice. And what would happen is that, you know, the more excited I get, the more, um, My voice would go higher and my wife said, people just laughed and they enjoyed your preaching, not because of the content, just because you were entertaining, you know. Bless God, guys. Get right with God. Come on. You know, and people would just, oh, look how cute he is. When I came back from Bible college, same type of messages, but she said, nobody laughed anymore. What happened is that now they're going to the altar. Now they're making decisions. What happened? Influence. Something changed. And with that influence that Pastor Sexton had in my life, if you could forgive, I'm having like a memorial for myself with the idea of how important Pastor Sexton was for me. And because of the influence in my life, that influence carries on to here. For example, I have many what I call Pastor Sextonism. May you repeat, uh, finish some of the statements. It all begins with God. Good. It all ends with God. God is the? Good. That's Pastor Sexton. But you understand that's a true principle. And when you get a hold of that, it changes how you think. It changes how you respond. It changes everything. The idea that we don't look at our circumstances, we look to the God behind the circumstances. Those are things that Pastor Sexton put in that now we're able to influence and teach someone else and get a hold of those ideas. Even for the idea of how we start our service. And we welcome you to this meeting of the Riverview Baptist Church. Everyone who comes to visit who's went through Crown College, who went through the Temple Baptist Church, come and they smile. I know where you got that at. Wonderful. Great. The idea of influence, that there was so much influence that he put into me. And may I say that I had minimum interactions with pastor Sexton. It's a big church. When I was there, we had a thousand students within Crown College. I I didn't have as many interactions as some other people had. But what happened is just allowing myself to sit in the church services of the Temple Baptist Church, to sit in the classes that he oversaw and directed, even the ones that he wasn't even a part of, but he directed because he was the president of Crown College. Those things influenced me. I allowed, sat there and said, teach me, influence. I want to see how it's done. Even the idea of how to preach. The idea where if you don't mind to you take your copy of the word of God, and if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, it came from Pastor Sexton to teach this idea of marking things in your Bible, to mark it for your own self. Don't come up with a catchy title. Let's just go to what the Bible has to say. Let's preach the Bible. I already wanted to preach the Bible, but he taught me to be more effective in teaching the Bible in a way that someone can take the message and teach it to someone else. This is a big idea of influence and I appreciate it and again if you could forgive me but I'm thinking about my mentor the someone I allowed to influence even though I didn't get to sit directly I wasn't on staff I wasn't but just to be able to allow him to influence me to listen to what he said to take my Christian life journal that I had that's where I got it from by the way Crown College had Christian life journals and now I made the same thing to take them (laughs) and to write down Pastor Sexton would say something and I'd write it down And be able to go back and look at it again and say, that's important. To meditate on those truths. To be able to take the messages and study them and to learn more about them. And of course, we have it here. The only Sunday school material that we use is either mine or Pastor Sexton's. Why? Because I like the way that he does it, the influence that it has to make it easy to teach. It's easy to learn. Those type of things. There's an idea of influence, how to do things. Even the idea of how to do what's a church service, how to do these things. These were things that allowing someone to open myself up, not to be guarded, not to try to second guess everything he said, but to say, I am going to allow this person to influence me. I'm going to allow them to sharpen me. I'm going to allow them to challenge me. I'm going to allow them to correct me. Again, here's my funny thing I was thinking about earlier. I was sitting in the master's class. Now in the master's level class, he's actually teaching. And so Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we would sit there, Pastor Sexing and teach us whatever he wanted, teach us whatever subject he did, and so much with his influence. And I remember he, him stopping in the middle of the class, just stopped the class in the middle of the lecture, looked straight at me, pointed and said, Son, if you keep allowing your wife to cut your hair, you're not going to have influence. My wife had been trying to tell me that for years. <laughs> and I immediately, okay, fine, I'll go to someone else now. You know, he cared enough to tell me, You need to fix that. Not worried about, you know, insulting. He said, I need to help this man, he needs help. Good. That's what I get for being cheap and trying to save money on a Bible college budget, right? <laughs> but you know, he cared enough to teach me, and I didn't throw a fit. And why did he yell at me in class? And he knew that I was open enough that he could tell me that, and I wasn't going to take offense. I wasn't going to throw down. I wasn't going to walk out in the middle of the class. I wasn't going to break down and cry. <laughs> To allow someone to care enough for me to correct things that need to be fixed. Even if it was technically outside of a Bible message. It was a practical thing that needed to be helped with. The idea of influence. I mean, even such things, we know we have a different baptistry there. But Pastor Sexton had back problems and whatnot. He even taught how to baptize with back problems. And so you take someone and you bend them backwards and you walk with them. You don't just use muscle to dunk them and bring them up, but you walk with them up and down. Because of that, I have the privilege of baptizing people that were 300 pounds, 500 pounds, and 700 pounds and didn't break my back and didn't drop them. Now you say that's minor things, but you know, that is things. It was little things I tried to learn and tried how to say things with the idea of even saying please. For example, If you wouldn't mind, please take your copy of the word of God. If you are physically able, would you please open up your hymn books and stand with me? The idea of saying please from the pulpit instead of demand, but saying please and thinking about those are the idea of influence. And again, the important idea was that I sat there and allowed him to influence, allowed him to learn. And because of that, you are recipients of it. And I'm hoping that someone out there would say, you know what, I'm going to allow pastor to influence. And you're going to end up saying the same things, repeat the same things. (laughs) It's not about education. It's about influence. That's one of his sayings too. In fact, I was watching the funeral just a couple of minutes ago and was watching the preacher say that. We all know, you know, and he was doing the pastor sexism. All right, crowd, this is what he taught us. I'm gonna say something You repeat after me and watching the crowd repeat after. Wonderful. The idea of influence. The idea that we see here in Proverbs is that iron sharpeneth iron. So does a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. This whole principle here that we find here is the principle of influence. Who are you going to allow to influence you? You're going to make a horrible mistake if you get to the place where you won't allow anyone to influence you. You're going to make a horrible mistake if you only surround yourself by people who will make you duller and not sharper. You will make a horrible mistake if you avoid the friction of the sparks that happen because you are challenged on something that you helped before, a belief or something. You will be very much mistaken if you don't find a local church and allow a pastor to influence you. God wants to make sharp instruments. It is never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. And when you are sharpened, you could have a lot less effort and get a lot more done. Your principle, your decision, your thing that you must decide is who are you going to allow to influence you? And how much influence are you going to allow? There are some people that need to become more opened up. God, you place me here. Help me to learn everything I possibly can. Help me to be sharpened. Lord, I give you permission to challenge me on my beliefs. If there's something that's wrong, something that needs to be fixed, I give you permission to challenge me on this belief so I can be the best instrument I possibly can. Some of you may need to think about who you surround yourself with. Are they people that are going to help you to be sharpened? If not, you may need to reconsider. Who you allow to influence you in your life. It's all about influence. And in this specific case, who are you allowing to influence you?